It is hard to argue against the idea that the world is built upon connection. From the tiniest atoms to nature and even technology, everything in our world depends on its relationship to others. Studies into human relationships tell the incredible story of the power of connection. Positive, healthy human relationships are linked to better mental and physical health outcomes. In today's busy world, we are asked to connect to others on a regular basis. And yet, there is often little understanding of the vast impacts our interactions have. Welcome to Season 2 of NFCC's Guide Through the Seasons of Mental Wellness, where we dive into some of the most common, as well as a few overlooked, relationships we experience in a lifetime. I am your host, Tracy Lehman, and I am honored to be a part of your day. Let's get into today's episode. There are often many different roles and hands that go into raising you, but they all have several things in common. The demands on parents and teachers are taxing and sometimes unforgiving, riddled with experiences of judgment and shame and very little time spent celebrating the wins. While there are more caretakers involved in the village that helps rear a child, parents and teachers have the majority of the load, creating a very important partnership. Though they have similar goals, they often struggle to understand each other. What can we do to support each other and communicate well to bring out the best in our children and adolescents? To help us explore this topic, I have Dr. Caroline Bison. Caroline Bison is a licensed professional counselor who specializes in children and young adults. She has a master's degree in clinical psychology, a doctoral degree in counseling, and was recently recertified as a licensed specialist in school psychology at Houston Baptist University. Dr. Bison is passionate about supporting an individual's journey to envision and achieve the best version of themselves. Over the last 15 years, she has worked with a diverse array of clients, including individuals with autism, learning disabilities, mood, anxiety, and neurodevelopmental disorders, as well as victims of trauma. Dr. Bison has worked in nonprofit clinics, hospitals, therapeutic education institutions, and public schools. Welcome, Caroline. I'm so excited to discuss this very valuable subject with you. Thank you, Tracy. Glad to be here this morning. I think this is such an important topic, and I know you and I both have kids, so we both have navigated this, but you have the special view of having worked inside of schools as well. That is correct. That is correct. I've spent quite a bit of time, in fact, in schools, even during my degrees. I spent time doing research in the schools. Some were schools designed purely for children with disabilities and neuroatypical. And then more recently, I spent the, the last year in the Houston Independent School District public school system, which has exposed much. Yeah, it's a lot of learning. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting as, as a therapist, I'm sure you've had this experience too. The more you, you know, when I started being a therapist, I didn't have kids. I didn't really have much interactions with the school districts. Actually, the school district part came first, like work with teachers and, you know, go to schools and talk to different professionals. But then having kids, it just totally changes your work as a therapist, I feel like. It just, 
it gives you so much more insight into what goes on in all these different people in the context of all these different people's lives. So true. It's multidimensional. Very, very. And, and I think we, I think it's easier for people to dehumanize each other, to like forget that other people have, that they're human, you know, yeah. half the time, especially when they're super stressed or frustrated or lost. Most definitely, most definitely. It's a, right now, given the current circumstances, uh, with this pandemic, I think, uh, schooling and young children, adolescents, this has been really challenging and for teachers and for parents too. And we're in a totally different terrain right now than what we've ever experienced before. So some of the challenges that have surfaced are definitely we don't have solutions. We don't have solutions, which is unusual, but we're navigating as best we can. You know, given the circumstances. Yeah, yeah. And, and some teachers I interviewed last year when we were trying to figure out how to help our kids do the school from home thing. And I was talking to all the different the teachers in the different school levels. Something that came up a lot is term building the plane as you fly it, which yes. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Very true. Yes. So I was listening to a podcast this morning and it said that actually teachers have the highest burnout rates. Of all careers, which actually surprised me. I always thought it was like, uh, what have I heard before? Investment bankers or those types of people. Well, vets are at the highest in terms of burnout and suicide. Mm. And it does not surprise me given the current situation. And just the way culturally how we're moving towards less responsibility on the families and more responsibility for the teachers. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's really not surprising that at this point we're finding that high rates of anxiety, high rates of depression, burnout, and then uh, career changes are happening for individuals that were so dedicated to to carving paths for children to go on and do great things. So no, not surprising at all given this, the, the current situation. Yeah. yeah. So I bring that up only because I was mentioning that humanness, right? Like we are all under a lot of stress and... I think teachers have always been under a lot of stress. My friend that's a teacher, she's now, I think, an educational coach. But regardless, she worked all the time. I mean, weekend, she's grading papers. Like, after she'd be at work till, at schools till like 8, 9 p.m. at night, doing stuff, getting ready. It's just, there's a lot of demand on teachers that nobody sees. And there's Very wonderful true. parent organizations that contribute to helping, but I think that's a small group of parents and the rest of the parents don't get this insight because I didn't know yeah. how much a teacher worked until I was friends with one. No, most definitely. And I think it's, it's tragic in some capacity because teachers do, even though they may get part of the summer off, they're still prepping their lesson plans and then classroom design, classroom management, management strategies for the coming year. And then they really don't know until the students come in what sort of challenges they're going to face with parents being absent, as in, you know, they're not in this country or they're in jail or they're just not present in the child's life and what type of difficulties or struggles the child's going to bring to the classroom every day. Are we talking about we have a homeless situation, we have parents that have been deported and are back in uh, another country, uh, do we have abuse that's taking place at home, do we have a child that's coming that has been totally neglected, either physically abused or just not getting a proper meal in the morning? Mm -hmm. So what is served every day is mm -hmm. different. 
And teachers have to have multiple skills to go ahead and address these issues. Mm-hmm. And many times they are overworked and there are no resources for them. Mm-hmm. And essentially we have burnout, which is what you would expect under these circumstances. Yeah. And then on top of that, what I see a lot is that parents, especially if their child is differently wired, I like that yeah. term, but maybe struggles to keep their body still or has some outbursts or is still learning emotional regulation, whatever the case may be. And the parents have been working so, so hard to, well, first off, to deal with general resources, right? The bottom of Maslow's pyramid yes. of needs, right? So yeah. getting resources on the table, working, all those things. But then on top of that, a lot of parents have their kids in therapy or reading or trying all these things to help their kid at home. And they feel like the teacher is already like either identified their child as a bad student or has a, a grudge against them, or if they already had some type of confrontation with the teacher, then they feel like the teacher is taking it out on their kids. You know, I see this whole spectrum of things, and all I can think is, well, it's different when you're at home with your kids yeah. doing these things, and then being in a classroom with 20 to 30 kids, all with behavioral stuff going on, all yeah. with their stuff to track. It's, it's You can't have the same focus and attention, so we have to figure out ways to work together. And I think that's why this podcast episode is so important totally agree with you and you know in that regard the the public school system we do have lssps which are the licensed specialists in school psychologies you have the school counselor those are individuals that should be supporting teachers in this capacity and yes you know parents they're those parents that are engaged maybe 75 percent And then there's a small percentage of parents that are totally disengaged in the whole school system. And this is where the troubles lie. This is where conflict arises. This is where many times parents and teachers do not find themselves on the same page uh, when it comes to the student. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so according to a study I read, research suggests that children's social relatedness in the primary grades may establish patterns of school engagement and motivation that have long-term consequences for their academic motivation and achievement is a high likelihood. The article also suggested children's relationship with teachers at this time is the key component in navigating these important developmental pieces. What have you seen around parent-teacher-student relationships, and what's your response to this suggestion? So, most definitely, the data for the last decade, more, uh, last couple decades, has indicated that the triangle of parents, students, and teachers is critical to motivation, social development, and success of a child. And NASP, which is the National Association of School Psychologists, endorses this philosophy that relationships with teachers are critical for achievement and influence motivation and student success rate, which is going on to university and finding a, a career that you are successful at and enjoy. I think what's happened over the last 50 years is that the the leniency in terms of parental involvement in the school and expecting much of the school and the teachers to implement discipline, there's been a breakdown. And so what we have is that there's a dichotomy between what goes on at home and what happens at school. Children by nature are resilient. And I'm talking about this in the sense and the framework of a school setting. Children will follow rules. 
children will rise to the occasion when rules are implemented and expectations are set out and you set a student up for success. However, if you go home and all of that unravels where discipline is not enforced and children are not expected to do their part, this is where you're going to have trouble. And uh, many times it comes down to parental engagement and communication with the school. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Parental engagement is really important in parent-teacher communication. Something that I do talk about a lot with parents that I work with and teachers too is establishing communication skills with their children. So my students, my kids, my clients, when I work with them, a lot of our work related to school, especially if they feel like a teacher doesn't like them, if they're struggling in class, is to build a relationship with their teacher. You know, because helicopter parenting and, and tiger mom and all these things, all these terms have become big deals, but it's the parent taking over for the child versus the child learning the skill. Yeah. And so I think it's a lot that kids are nervous. There's a lot of social anxiety. I feel like social media and phones and screens and all that has kind of contributed to, I don't know how to interact yeah. person to person. And so it's a lot of practice. It's a lot of taking your kid and being like, okay, if I'm your teacher, what do you say? And then not, and you can coach them and you can assist them and you can support them, but not stepping in for them. So this episode, I mean, it's parents and teachers, but also the student has a role there. Yeah. And when they get to college, they're going to need that skill. They're going to yeah. need to go to their professor and be like, I don't understand this concept. Yeah. Or I'm not able to make this exam date. Whatever it is, they have to be able to communicate for themselves. Totally, totally. Yeah. So, you know, essentially, everybody in that triangle has a responsibility. The teacher's responsibility is obviously to provide a caring, supportive learning environment. Once that's established, parents' responsibility is to make sure your child is ready for school. Mm-hmm. You've dressed, you've had your breakfast, your teeth are brushed, and you now have your part of your day that you've got to take care of, which is you go to school ready to learn with a good attitude. The student's responsibility, in addition to the parents, is to have that good attitude and to be ready. In addition, communication is a massive component of development and over the course of elementary school and middle school and high school, students develop skills to learn how to communicate effectively. Teachers are obviously more more privy to understanding a child and how they're trying to communicate and they need to encourage the child the correct way. Slamming a book down or having a tantrum is not an effective way of communicating. And that needs to be reinforced at home and at school. And I think we, we're at a point now where methods of communication, transmission of communication, is critical in getting what the child wants out of the day. Mm-hmm. If you have a low frustration tolerance and you're going to break down and have a meltdown, that's not going to be effective. And a teacher can assist you and show you the skills how to talk effectively. No need to raise your voice. No need to throw things around. And many times teachers are really good at this. They have patience like saints. Mm -hmm. And so they will encourage children. And, you know, once again, children will step up to the plate. If the expectation is that you raise your hand or you go to the teacher's desk and you say, this is what I'm struggling with, she will be able to figure out what it is if you can't articulate properly. Probably she will also be able to assist you with that problem, whatever it may be. And so I'm, I'm a huge advocate for also children taking a role of when they're not comfortable, things don't feel right, or they're not understanding a matter, 
to go and speak to the teacher. Mm -hmm. And if you can't do it because there's a sense of, well, I don't want to get blamed or maybe I'm going to get into trouble, there's the school counselor that can always help with that. And there's also the school psychologist that you can speak with. So there are options for a child if they feel that in middle school, this teacher doesn't really like me. How can I navigate my way through it? And, you know, once you've exhausted those uh, two other individuals, parents can come into the equation and, and assist with that if that's what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's important to be back now for the same, that reinforcing of accountability for our kids. Yeah. There's, there's so much confusion. I always talk about this when I talk to parents. There's a million different people telling you a million different ways to parent your child. There's yeah. a huge child development parenting section at the bookstore, and they don't all agree. Yeah. And so, and I think things get really confused. So one of the things I see that gets really confused is the importance of empathy, the importance of relating. People think that means you stop there, but yeah. you don't. There's also, you can also add accountability. Oh, that must have been, that must have felt really bad that you felt like the teacher was mad at you or blaming you and it wasn't your fault. What was your role there? What could you do differently, right? There's another step there that I think we miss as parents. parents yeah. Me too. I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes I just relate and then I forget the rest of the work, right? Because yeah. we're busy. But it's important to teach them accountability, help them think through problem solving. And, yeah. and I think it'd be okay if they get in trouble. Not you're in trouble and I'm not going to do anything about it, but not making, if you're in trouble ever, it's the end of the world because kids also have to learn to be accountable when they make a mistake, right? Instead of hiding. Totally. And the other thing is that you cannot have everything go your way. So there's an expression that says an undisciplined child becomes an unemployable adult. Mm -hmm. In reality, children have to have conflict and they have to have, the ability or the opportunity to resolve that. There's going to be a small percentage that never get resolved, and that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Nothing is going to go, not everything is going to go the way you want it to go. And you're going to have personalities that you don't click with. That's okay. You can still make it work to a certain capacity. So it's important that children learn early on that not everything's going to go your way, but if you're willing to listen and find a solution, you can do so uh, within the capacity of difficult personalities or different different personalities with different viewpoints. And I think that skill, just that skill alone of being able to address or approach people from different, who are different, who are different personality types of, you know, you've got strict people, you know, all these different personalities is so valuable. Yeah. You know, when you go into the workforce, we have to be able to work with one another. So I want to go into, we only have a little bit of time left, I know tools. So I want to talk a little bit about tools. So let's start with how do we have parents and teachers develop? What tools do they need to develop and manage their relationship, the concerns they have? How can they communicate well with each other? Okay. So I think a lot of this may lie each side, parents and teachers will have a responsibility to foster and nurture relationships with each other. I do think the schools have an additional responsibility that maybe at the beginning of the year when a new class comes in, there are certain things one can do that will foster and enhance relationships, like to build home and school relationships, maybe be more inclusive of, of parents. So when you have a curriculum night, make sure that parents are aware of it way in advance, put it on their calendar, send home reminders follow up with emails. We're looking forward to meeting you. We're looking forward to seeing you in person. 
bring your concerns and your issues to the table. Let's talk about it. Let's get it out. Let's find solutions together. Encourage parents to be very involved in the school. And, you know, this can go from Title I schools to the most sort of well-funded, financially secure school establishments. So you can encourage parents from all backgrounds, all socioeconomic statuses to still play a role in their child's educational process. And that, that really is like the child is your priority both for the teacher and for the parent. But encourage parents to be participatory in events that are taking place at the school. Speak their mind. Be honest and open. Reach out to teachers if you have a problem. Engage them. Find out from the kids what, what was happening in the classroom. And, you know, if there's a substitute that comes in, reach out and find out what, you know, what's happening. Be involved. That is your critical element. And one of the larger studies that came out that NASP really does endorse is that parental involvement has a parental and teacher involvement and engagement has a direct impact on children's success academically. And so when you see that, that data, you realize very quickly that getting parents involved and having them feel part of the school community ultimately benefits their child and the student becomes successful. And that's essentially the goal of school is that the student loves being there is engaged, feels a part of the community, and is achieving what they were set out to do. So one of the things I think of, or, or what I did, but I only have, I have an elementary school, so I only have one teacher that I have to have yeah. a relationship with. It's very much easier. Yeah. But, you know, letting them know who I am, yeah. kind of finding out who they are, kind of starting that just normal rapport yeah. conversation. You know, I was there at first at school, I introduced myself. So I'm able to do that because yeah. I have that kind of flexibility because yeah. I work here and I think working here is wonderful. But there's people that don't have flexibility like that that yeah. can't be involved like that. So one is how do you how do you suggest establishing that early rapport with your child's teachers? But also, what do you do if you can't be as involved? Like maybe you really want to be involved, but maybe it's someone out there is like, gosh, I wish I could do that, but I work for a law firm. They don't really give you that kind of flexibility. I, and that's difficult because there are, there are many parents that are just, they don't have the luxury of showing up at school whenever they want. They have to work. And I would suggest an email, a text message, a five or 10 minute phone call later in the evening, and just checking in occasionally. You don't have to be there in person to be involved and engaged. If the teacher's aware that you are making sure homework is being done, that your child is turning in assignments when they're scheduled to, or you sign off for a, a visit to the zoo or the visit to the planetarium. Just being engaged in that capacity is enough. Teachers don't want to be told how to run their classroom. So there's, there's that side of it too. How involved do you want to get and be? Do you want to be that mother that's always participating, always the homeroom mother? But I think, you know, for mothers, parents, and particularly even single parents, reaching out by email or a phone call, even before the semester starts and say, look, this is the situation I'm in. Reach out to me if you need anything or if there's any trouble. Uh, I'm happy to accommodate you. And then I have worked with parents who were not able to leave work. And what we did is we scheduled appointments at the very end of the semester and they used it as they just had to take off an hour in the morning and teachers would accommodate them. Most teachers at school already by seven o'clock. Most jobs start at eight. 
if a teacher can arrange it and a parent can arrange it, meet with the teacher then at, at 7 a.m. It can be done. Teachers are very accommodating, especially when it's a student that is in need or is struggling. They are, they are very willing to give up their own time to help the student. Yeah. And parents need to be made aware of that too, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think and to add on to that, something that I do because, you know, I tend to be the over-involved one. But I make sure that I don't overstep or put extra pressure. I try to recognize limitations of others and their humanness and what all they're juggling. And so when I do reach out to my, te- to my daughter's teacher about a concern, I say things like, I'm noticing yeah. on her grades. And I try not to focus on grades. So I want parents to hear, I do not like to focus on grades. I want my husband and I talk often about when does school stop being fun? Because my daughter cannot wait to go back to school after one of grade. And I remember in high school being like, oh, it's over. Now I have to go back to school. <laughs> and so we talk about like, when does that end? And, and I think we came to when it becomes stressful, when it feels like you're failing and it's just too much. Yeah. And so making, letting it continue to be fun, letting it continue to be like exciting, you're learning, you're growing your brain. And so sometimes I get, because of the way I was raised, sometimes I do get stuck on the grades, but I, I try to use them as like a piece of information. And so I'll reach out and be like, I'll notice, or I noticed her reading scores aren't, aren't where probably I, they should be or, you know, whatever. What do you suggest or what, what do I need to be doing? Are you concerned? Should I be concerned? So I get information from the teacher. In, in the particular instance, I'm trying not to just send home some extra work that I could practice with her in my time that just took like a couple extra minutes a day. Yeah. And so I think it's about recognizing boundaries, communicating, but communicating in a way that's like, do you think this is a problem? Not I'm telling you this is a problem. And how do we collaborate? Yeah. And that's right. You know, the, the parents, there will be those parents that will find that their kid is not exceeding or meeting expectations like they would like to. But the reality is there is a pace that's been like specially designed for third grade, for fourth grade. And, and so you have to have enough faith that the teacher is plodding along in the capacity that she knows. And at the end of the day, she is the teacher. So what she is accomplishing in the classroom and the skills that the children are developing along the way, uh, many times are not tangible in the sense that you cannot see them. So you may have a kid who starts kindergarten, for example, who's not reading. Within eight weeks, you'll find that that child has gone from not reading to suddenly reading. And there may be issues with fluency or pronunciation, but the reality is it's being done. And I think it's important that that parents are aware that teachers have milestones that need to be met, that are continuously being met in a classroom. And they are aware, but they are also, they are the professional. And you have to have enough faith in them that their ability to determine whether a child's struggling. Many teachers will pick up that, hey, you know what, there's a bit of a problem here. Maybe we need to call in the school psychologist or the speech therapist if there's trouble with either articulation or semantics. Or maybe there's a, some other type of disability that's underlying and this is why the child is not progressing. And I think it's important, in addition, that the teachers have and foster relationships with the school psychologists because ultimately they call upon them regularly to say, I'm having an issue and we need this child tested and maybe this child is going to need special education services and will be eligible for those. Yeah. And, and I think another important tool on both sides, I think, is to be 
genuinely personable, genuinely be interested in the other person and who they are. Yeah. A statistic you know, that I have in my questions here is that on a TED Talk, cited research that 86% of teachers report symptoms of depression. It's a lot. I mean, think about how many teachers are. That's a lot of people with depression. What do you think is contributing to that? And how can we as a community support these valuable and beloved members of our society? So, yes, I I did see that. And I think 86% is a really, really high number. I'd be curious to know, was this pre or post uh, pandemic? I definitely think, and and this is global, Uh, we're seeing it even now in, in our own therapy clients, symptoms of depression and anxiety have escalated. Part of it is that we have removed the social uh, component just to protect ourselves, really, particularly at the beginning of the pandemic. We were masked and we were isolated. And we're human beings and we're creatures of enjoying others and engagement. And so being isolated contributed to, to that sense of feeling lonely and sad, which which are symptoms of depression. I think there is so much pressure on teachers and they are many times given a classroom with children from multiple different backgrounds. You get a kid who's just moved here, who may be behind in reading, but advanced in math. And just having to juggle all those uh, variables, I think can be exhausting. And I'm not sure they ever truly get a break because I think by nature, teachers have a servant's heart in that they are going out to serve. Mm-hmm. And so many times there's a element of empathy that they maintain, uh, especially for little kids, where they feel many times they take it with them and they take it home. You know, there's, there's underfunding in the schools. Even in wealthy cities like Houston, mm-hmm. the Title I schools, you, you look at their playgrounds, there's paint chipping off the, the jungle gyms and the baseball courts. The classrooms haven't had a fresh coat of paint in a while. And these are all factors that I think sometimes contribute to how one feels overall. But I do think the way we can help is, as parents, prepare your child for school. Mm-hmm. Take that opportunity to relieve the teacher of that responsibility that day. Have your child mentally and emotionally ready to embark on the day, Mm -hmm. which means waking up on time, and I said going through the routine, getting them to school on time. If they're having a bad day, calm them before they get to school because to have a child that comes in and has a meltdown and disrupts the entire classroom is not something any teacher wants on a Monday morning. Mm -hmm. I think parents have, have that responsibility Teachers somehow manage, and I've seen it, it's almost like magic fairy dust. When kids get into the classroom and they get to shake off their, their nerves or their wiggles, as we call it, and mm-hmm. sit down and focus on the day, it can be such a productive day. It can be such a productive day. But parents and students all have an element of responsibility when going into a classroom. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that part, then leave the teacher to do what she signed up to do. Mm-hmm. which was to teach, inspire, motivate, mm-hmm. and change the lives of these kids. I think there's too much pressure on them to take care of everything else. Mm-hmm. Discipline, teach them how to speak to adults properly, exactly. respectfully, basic things like that. I think teachers teachers have taken on an enormous amount. And now with this pandemic and having to participate in virtual learning, it's a challenge. It's yeah. a challenge. But as parents... 
you can assist. You have everything that may distract your children out of the room. You put them at the desk, and it's the same as a school day. And you assist in the capacity that you can. Okay. And I was thinking also while you were talking, that was beautiful what you said right there about teachers. I was thinking about community and how valuable community is. And all these, you know, the pandemic is just a sign of how much we need community. Yeah. And even if you can't be super involved in the school, even if you're working, you know, double shifts, if there's an opportunity to make just one friend with a neighbor who has a kid the same age and have them kind of be somebody you can talk to and collaborate with and say, what happened yeah. in the class today? If they're, they have more time maybe to know and, and work with each other about what's going on and look out for each other's kids. I think the community aspect is so huge and so important and so needed and yeah. being willing to say like, my child's struggling with this, like not being ashamed of yeah. saying, who your child is. That doesn't mean that's all they are. They struggle with one thing. They have a big part or they are super creative, whatever it is. So I just want to do final words. What would you say the key takeaway of all of this should be? Well, I think reflecting the triangle of this parent, teacher, and student relationship, it's multidimensional. So I think two of the most important things that contribute to a successful student, which ultimately is the goal of a parent and the teacher, is communication, effective communication, and engagement, and engagement in any capacity. If it means you have to write a note in your student's book to send to the teacher to say, last night we had a bad night, my kids fighting with kids at school, and please just keep an eye out for them, and I appreciate everything you do. That's going to go a long way. So communication and engagement, I think, are the two key factors, particularly going forward and this climate that we're in. Communication is critical. And sometimes just picking up the phone will resolve every issue or every worry that a parent's had. And if you haven't slept that night, it may just be the teacher saying, hey, I've got it. I've got it today. You go and do your business. Your kid's going to be fine. And that's sometimes all you need. So no, definitely communication and engagement and continue empowering your child to see education as a highly valuable, privileged opportunity that they are given mm-hmm. and and to nurture it with everything they do. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. I think this You're was welcome. so helpful to so many out there. And um, thank so. you. You're welcome. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us reach more listeners, please share it with someone you know, post about it on social media, and leave a rating or review. To see what's coming next, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Nick Finn Council, or visit our website at finnegancounseling.org. Before I go, I'd also like to thank the people who made this project possible our wonderful experts who joined me for each episode, our production team at Three Wire Creative, our editor and production assistant, Giselle Dixon, and the amazing leadership team and supporters at Nick Finnegan Counseling Center in Houston, Texas. Until next time.